Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So, my man, you did not make it back to Minnesota for one of the most important Twins games of the last decade. Prince Knight at Target Field. I I caught some of the I caught a lot of the promo um or the you know promotional video mm-hmm. that went along with it cuz they they hit that pretty hard. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, there were there were a lot of non-baseball fans at that game. I, I will say that you sent me you sent me the picture of the umbrella that you got at the game. Yes, indeed, they were handing out umbrellas. And then, but then an hour and a half later, I turned on the radio and caught the first pitch, and I was like, "Whoa, he got there so early!" Oh yeah, no, that. we were there, we were there <laughs> wicked early, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of people there super early, and you know, we're the, our office is right right next to target field so you kind of get the sense like you know like and like especially during day games it's like oh it must be a day game because there's some twin stuff filtering in there are a lot of people in twins and or print stuff like walking by at like four o'clock and it's like maybe i should get over there little early i wonder do they make this an annual thing do you think yes Maybe I I doubt that it's going to be as good merch as this one was, but oh yeah. Let me just tell you, those umbrellas were made for flipping. <laughs> we were talking like immediately, like, well, how much would it take you to sell one of these? And I was like, you know what? I wouldn't take a lick under fifty dollars. Before first pitch, a guy offers one of us fifty dollars <laughs> for the umbrella wow. yeah, in the stadium. Wow. Before they stopped selling alcoholic beverages, it became clear that there were people posting them on the Ebays and the Craigslists <laughs> for for 150 bucks. That is crazy. I totally believe it though. Yeah. Those poor Minnesotans just oh, yeah. getting fleeced. Well, I mean, but they want that merch. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So the twins posted on twitter a congratulations to harman killebrew or a commemoration of drafting harman killebrew and he's in just a jersey that i had never seen before which is the washington senators jersey oh yeah i gotta know i gotta know the hats are amazing i need to know am i allowed to get a washington senators hat yes i think you are Okay, because they they're good. I don't know if you've looked at them. They're just they're just like the most boring script W on a hat that you could imagine. People are gonna get so confused and think that I just like have a win hat or like worse like a fly the W Cubs hat, <laughs> but it's it's not that. Well, wow, they that. really just... went out of their way for this one to, to not put any effort in. Oh my gosh. 
Wow, that is pretty good. So I all right, good. Cause I I kind of like that. I think I think I might be getting one of those pretty soon. That was just a new realization. I'd never seen that hat before before today. I think I've seen it before, but I don't think I realized that it was a professional baseball team's hat. Yeah, great hat. Got to get one of those. Sell. I mean, they sell them on MLB.com. You know, they have like MLB has them. They're not affiliated with the Twins. Like you can't find oh, them. Oh, really? In the, if you just search the Twins, you have to find them by searching Washington Senators. Man, they should have just flip that right upside down and then just gotten forty years oh, out of it. That would have been so good. That would have been perfect. Oh man. Anyway, I think I'm getting one of those. Thank you for endorsing this. I feel much better now. I was yeah, a little worried. Good. You're all set. You're fine. <laughs> All right, this week, incremental progress is the theme of the week, I think. Eric's going to talk about Fawar and some of the steps that he's taken. And then I'm going to talk about the minor league watch, which turned out to be a much bigger and more amorphous project than I expected. So perhaps expect part two of both of these in the future. Anyway, take it away, Eric. Last week, I stood before you in emperor's clothing and you were aghast as you realized I was naked. I was, una- I was unable to finish the work I sought to complete, but today I come before you with some favor word progress. <laughs> uh, you texted me that out of the blue this morning, and uh, it was great. Was great. <laughs> <laughs> At least you knew exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> As mentioned on the podcast last week, our FAWAR algorithm needs a little work. I wanted to use the FAWAR metric in concert with an ownership model I was developing, am developing, and instead found the ownership model pointed out some peculiarities in the FAWAR algorithm, by which I mean, let's just, uh, maybe we'll say that uh, I was using the ownership model to validate the FAWAR model. I like that. <laughs> That's a good like way that. to um, yeah pretend that I knew what I was doing. <laughs> uh, let's back up a tick. Last year, my holy grail was a metric that would present a player's fantasy wins above replacement. The idea being that the metric would provide a relative measure of each player's worth based on their position in the context of the league our league as we develop this metric hopefully it'll be something that we can get people to just type in information about their league mike what are some of the ways that you're hoping to use this metric in general just so that we can remind our listeners what we're talking about yeah i I thought i thought you'd never ask i mean (laughs) this year in particular for me this year you know i'm running a pretty strong strategy on the hitting side where i'm trying to win average runs and stolen bases and i'm punting rbis and batting and uh and home runs for me i'd like to be able to look at this metric and compare the relative value of guys that are optimizing runs stolen bases as compared to guys that might be five tool players at a lower level so i want to be able to look at this metric and evaluate how i can stay above the replacement line and still optimize these three categories Right, exactly, and that's something that you can't just do looking at like a f- the fantasy ranking. One of the key innovations that I had hoped to introduce to the metric was a concept of disaggregated FAWAR, um, calculating each player's impact across each week to get a sum of their impact. Um, this 
makes everything um, more complicated. Let's just put it that. <laughs> yes. It makes everything more complicated. And I think the bigger problem is that it, it reveals some of the issues in the algorithm and the underlying assumptions a little bit more. Uh, what am I talking about? Um, there are a few principles that I guess we discovered when we put this into the disag, developed the disaggregate FOWAR. First, a lot of replacement level players still have top 10 weeks. Yeah. One of the great disappointments of, you know, for me, just in terms of morale stance is seeing all the guys that are sitting out there on the waiver wire that are having top 10 weeks. Right. I mean, it, but it happens every single week. You I have know. players that jump into the top, top 10, top 20 who are on the waiver wire, but they may never be heard from again. And that's, you know, as fantasy players, that's what we need to do is figure out which of these players are creating a trend that mean that they should be owned and which ones are just having that anomalous week noise in the statistical parlance. Mm -hmm. uh, second, boom and bust players have more positive impact on a week over week basis than steady eddies, as revealed by the four model. So the four model likes players that are boom and bust rather than the guys who just contribute week in, week out, week in, week out. So back to brass tacks. What was throwing off the full war model when I proposed its unholy marriage to the ownership model? Four letters. This is going to be summed up in four met, uh, letters. SB and DL. Stolen bases and injured players. They throw this thing off pretty heavily. In truth, when I set out to make the four algorithm, I wasn't sure what the final metric would really tell me. And that's part of the reason that we have some of these issues. I knew I wanted to understand each player's stats compared to the stats at their position and the stats of a full team. But what that would reveal was murky. Ultimately, what I wanted to discover was more like win shares than war. But I'm going to keep that war. Um, look up both metrics, war and win shares, as they apply in the real MLB. For more information there i wanted to know how much a player moved the needle in a matchup towards victory in each category so where am i going with this my conception then is that in a week a player's maximum full war contribution is five points so five so we have a 10 point scale that centers on zero um this is this mm. is in our setting which is a standard scoring setting uh, my mistake last year was to not code to this actuality, which means two things. The four metric resulted in higher variation across the universe of players. One day I'll learn how to spell universe. And then stolen bases, as I was mentioning before, were inflated because they are so few across the league. Hmm. I've gone ahead and fixed the stolen base inflation by basing the full war by category two. I've got a an equation for you, Michael. And I did not put Greek letters in, but for readability, maybe I should put Greek letters in. Okay, so it's one over the replacement over parentheses, the replacement team total in a category, so that would essentially be the team total, minus the replacement position total, so that would be stolen um that would be third base, second base, first base, etc. Plus one to get 
what you need to get to win at that category. And then this is times the player's added value. So what are we kind of doing here? So that first part of the equation is what the contribution would have to be to win a category, essentially. And then you're multiplying that by the actual added value that a player has con contributed. So as a real life uh, example of this, let's say you have, um, let's say the replacement team total in runs is 30. And at the position, the, the replacement player at that position would score five. So then you have one over 30 minus five plus one to get to what would win um, against a replacement level team. And then you multiply that the um, you multiply that by each player's added value. So the added value is how much they have contributed over that position replacement position total. That will need to be presented somewhere. So this is zero. This works out to be zero when they're not contributing. Exactly or when they're totally neutral. So the replacement is pinned at zero. Yeah, exactly. Replacement is pinned at zero. Yeah, ends up being pinned at zero with this. And so hopefully everybody on your team is positive value. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in a given week, that the number of players that are by position positive um, is anywhere from like, I've seen 17 to like 37. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. But and you know, with a long, long tail, we have. Oh yeah. We have an asymmetric distribution, of course. So I've got I've got a list for you. Um, I have no idea how much this is going to get cut, but I've got a list for you, of the top twelve by position, and I have a little note here about the outfielders, but don't. Yeah, this is this is actually a really interesting table. So. So these, this is everybody who should be above replacement, right? Yeah. Except for oh yeah, because so this is the this is the replacement the the guys just above the replacement level. These are all the yeah these are all the guys who are above thirteenth. Uh, these are the top twelve at each position. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say so just based on this four metric, that doesn't necessarily mean that like thirteen through twenty are all negative values. They can right. be they can be positive. The way the dis distribution is. The player that I have got to say this metric loves Paul Goldschmidt. Paul oh, Goldschmidt. I this is kind of, I like this table. I think this is worth posting because you can kind of look at it and see where how your team construction is going. Like the first thing I did was look at like, okay, where are all my starters <laughs> in this in oh, this yeah. level? How am I putting things together? Bums me out that Mike Zanino has uh, made the table. I know he just hit a home run, so I think that might have buoyed him. Wellington Castillo, though, I waited to the last round to draft him. And... You did? Hey, I mean, I, wait, I waited, waited, waited on Yadier Molina, knowing that he was going to work in, on my team, yep. and that, that paid off. It's worked pretty well. Nolan Arenado is not producing quite as much as... No. But this, I, I like this table, and... Um, I think I think that there's a lot of value here, and it's interesting the guys that show up in as repeats. You know, we've talked about this extensively, but Eduardo Nunez is more valuable at third base than he is at shortstop. Yep. And likewise, Gene Segura is more valuable at shortstop than he is at second base. 
and Will Myers way more valuable at first if you can if you can slot him in there as opposed to outfield. Yeah. If you can find four other outfielders or in our league four outfielders, you would want to stick him at first. All right, so some of the takeaways. Um I was able to fix one of the uh outstanding issues with this and I think that it brings it at the very least it brings the um precision of the metric in which is very very helpful so at least we know what we're looking at a little bit more um to get the accuracy up i think the biggest thing that i need to do next is figure out a penalty for absences because right now um performing at a replacement level gives you a zero and then being absent gives you zero and in fantasy that isn't really accurate because there's a penalty to try to replace a player so we need to figure out Mm -hmm. how to realize that penalty in the context of this metric so Mm -hmm. anyone has suggestions feel free to email us you've heard our email address millions of times listen for it at the end of the podcast But I think that this is good. Um, you need to have incremental progress for war or progress and identify the problems. And I think that that's really what I was thinking about in this exercise was um, wrangling in the precision so that we could move towards higher accuracy. Yep. Clear step forward here. Excited to see where else this goes. We're about to talk about looking at the future in baseball and fantasy baseball, and that means that Eric and I are also thinking about the future of our podcast reviews. Uh, review the amendments? We could go all the way Each through one. the amendments. Oh my god, that'll be a <laughs> long season. <laughs> Prohibition will be fun. <laughs> the amendment of the amendment for Prohibition will also be fun. Yeah. You might think that we are just about to deep dive, but don't turn off your podcast yet. I'm going to argue that it's never too early to be thinking about the future in a keeper league, no matter where you are in the standings. And even if you're just playing in a yearly league, I think it's also important for playoff runs to take a look at who else is out there. For sure. A word of caution before we get into this. Um, this is This should definitely be a lesson in who are you replacing with these guys when they come up. So you don't want to just willy-nilly replace with the the new hot item coming up from AAA. You want to think about how to put that all into context. And so that's what this is really about, is trying to put AAA numbers into context next to MLB players. I feel like that was advice for like middle-aged men who are thinking about replacing their wives. <laughs> yeah, put this into context. Yeah. <laughs> don't think throw about your wife what... <laughs> for a young hot thing. Okay. Think about what you're getting here. <laughs> All right. So two things first here. We're going to look at just RBIs and runs. I'm going to just briefly argue that since those are the most stabilized stats because they're the largest numbers, mm-hmm. that those are going to be reasonable proxies for power and speed. They're, you know, this is really rough. But if we look at those by ratios, they're at least setting you down the right path. They're more right than wrong. Okay. Absolutely. So let's look at runs first. And what I've done here is I've looked at the runs per plate appearance production across the four, um, across the MLB and then the three AAA leagues. 
So the Pacific Coast League, the International League, and the Mexican League, all of which can conceivably be drawn from in the next couple months. Black here is MLB. If you oh, look okay. At just what what MLB looks like, and then you've got a char- what I would argue is a characteristic curve for the three minor league leagues. Now, here's what I'd watch out for in AAA. International, which is red in this plot, is systematically offset from the others. So offense is, in both runs and RBIs, so offense is depressed in international. Pitching heavy? Pitching heavy for sure. So if you're looking at if you're looking at guys between AAA, first thing to first things first, you can't straight compare Pacific Coast League and international numbers to see how they're doing. You definitely can't. Hopefully, hopefully you've listened to us blather on about this before. But you gotta add, and I'm gonna say it's a 25% at this point in runs and RBIs. You have wow. to add another quarter on top to the international to try and put it in context. Now, I will say, if you look at this, that the the upper end, so the top 100 players in the Pacific Coast League are putting up the same ratio stats as the MLB's top 100. Mm. Yeah, they are. Now, I would argue that, that those guys are going to come in at the slightly lower end in the MLB, but the MLB has a huge tail. So we're looking at runs per plate appearance here. The, the mean in the MLB is about 0.15, meaning for every 100 plate appearances, you'd score 15 runs, mm-hmm. which means you know if you prorate that over a full season, you're looking at somewhere between 60 and 75 play, sixty and seventy-five runs for your average guy. I'd be curious to know how that works out with Fawar in the future. But what you see <laughs> is that there's this massive tail. So while... The MLB just has many more guys that are actually producing. So this is where I'm really wanting to caution you on that. Who are you replacing these guys with? Because yes. even low-level low level runs and RBI producers in the majors are actually going to be basically raking if they played a full season at AAA. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to give you context here for this. And just generally the same thing is true for RBIs in terms of the characteristic curves. If you if you rate these guys, the the upper edge of the Pacific Coast League top 100 guys looks like the same ratio stats as as the MLB and the International League is depressed against that. The Mexican League interesting looks a lot like the Pacific Coast League. You familiar at all with Mexican League? No. No nothing about it. Yeah, there's. I uh, I read an article today talking about the the signing is about to open up because that's you. It falls under the international signing rules in the MLB as opposed to the, the poorly named International League, which does not <laughs> yeah, fall under that. Not. I mean, like that's the Twins AAA is in the International League, <laughs> so despite being in Rochester, Minnesota, for whatever reason, you shouldn't. You should think of Pacific Coast and International as complimentary but not in statistics i'm a big fan of just kind of clicking through (laughs) the minor leaguers um and i gotta say my current favorite i went down the list of um the top 10 guys who'd accumulated rbis in the mexican league and there's this one name seemed a little strange seemed to stand out matt clark (laughs) i looked looked up matt clark what's what's up with matt clark he's 30 years old toiling in the mexican league like to try and invent a little story for these guys he had a big he had a big time. 
three home runs and 31 plate appearances for the Brewers in September 2014. Wow, that was it? Only time the dude has ever sniffed the majors. You think either of us picked him up? <laughs> uh, I hope so. I hope one of us used him. Hey, if you'd picked him up for, for the tail end of your playoff run, he could have done something. Man, Mark, Matt Clark does sound like he could be a fantasy fantasy stalwart. Yeah, I know. Yeah, oh, You haven't ever owned Matt Clark before? Matt Clark... So I, I personally just like going on fan graphs, clicking through these guys, so just familiarizing myself with some of these names and seeing what lights up. So I'm going to hopefully induce you to do that at the end here when I throw a few names. Yep. Just to put a little context in here, I talked a little bit ago about what the, the tail of the curve in the MLB looks like, and you've mm-hmm. got to watch out. Player oh, number boy. two, like wow. the 250 to 260 guys are still legit players in the MLB. So you should only be drawing from the top, I'm going to say 20 guys in any category in in AAA yeah. by ratio stats. You should just wait for those guys. So Gotta those... watch out. You can only draw those guys. MLB, 250 to 260 in terms of RBI production. All guys you've heard of. Sandy Leon, Giannis Cespedes, Gregory Polanco, D. Gordon, Ian Happ, Jake Marisnik, Josh Donaldson. This is the only one you might not have heard of. Alexi Amarista. Jacques Peterson, and Jose Azuna. So all these guys in here, really legit guys, but they're 250 to 260. Wow, that is low. (laughs) That is low, low, low. And likewise, and then if you go to, say, the Pacific Coast League's top 10, you might have only heard of a couple of these guys. I I highlighted guys (laughs) that I thought might be interesting. I know, I know, Oswaldo Arcia, number one here. Yeah, he's a quadruple A player. Yes, he is. But so the thing that you have to watch out for with these guys, and I highlighted a couple names in here, are guys that I think actually have a shot at coming up. Because you have to also look at the team and see if they have any incentive to bring these guys up. So if you're trying to predict who I might want to pick up, who I might want to keep a better eye on, um, the only two teams they identified on here that might need to bring somebody up, the Mets have Ahmed Rosario. People mm-hmm. have already been, you might have already heard some chatter about why haven't they brought him up <laughs> yet. Yeah, I mean, people were salivating before the year started about the prospect of bringing him up. But yeah, the team hasn't figured out what it wants to be. Well, the, <laughs> and the Mets have no clue what they're doing, I think, in general. But the only other guy that I would say on here that maybe has a good shot at coming up in the near future uh, Luke Voigt plays for the Cardinals AAA team right now. But everybody else, there's two Diamondbacks on here, uh, two Astros, a Rockies, Cubs, Dodgers, Brewers. None of these guys. I don't think any of them are coming up. Those teams are pretty set. Man, Luke Voigt sounds like he is going to be on the waiver wire for years to come. International top 10. Again, um, one thing that I that I did here, I split these two. So it's I don't ever, I'm trying not to compare AAA to AAA. Looking at the, <laughs> looking at, uh, you'll find out what Eric is laughing about in a second, but I try oh, to boy. intercompare only within the leagues. So for instance, I'll only compare Pacific Coast guys to Pacific Coast guys and right. international to international just to try and level the playing field a little bit here. Bunch of guys that aren't coming up. I mean, these, these two Phillies might come up, Reese Hoskins and Dylan Cozens, in case you wanted to hear about these guys. And uh, what about this guy? You heard about this young up-and-comer? He might might have a shot at coming up here for the Orioles AAA team. Um, how, how do you say this guy's name? Pedro Alvarez? I never, believe never heard I've that heard guy. of that. I believe I've heard <laughs> of that man. I was convinced that he was going to be that 
slugger that the Orioles dusted off and made good <laughs> last year. And it was Mark Trumbo. Like, what the heck? So I think the International League, to me, actually has a few more of the interesting prospects, guys that you might want to watch out for. And again, remember, when you're looking at international numbers, prorate those by at least 25% if you're trying to look at some ratio stats to bring them to the majors. All right, couple couple takeaways here, um, things that we just sprinkled throughout as we were talking. You got to be doing really well at AAA to come up to the MLB. Yep. So don't consider anybody outside of the top 25. If you go back and look at their numbers in the top 25 um, or rated against the rest of the league, don't think about it if they're out of the top 25. And as always, remember to weight things in the International League quite a bit higher than you do in the Pacific Coast League as you're looking for these guys to come up. All right, you want to wrap this sucker up? Let's talk another sport. This one, you, as a Minnesotan, are a little bit more familiar with. The NHL. How do you like this this NHL draft? Is there a lot of Minnesota coming <laughs> well, in? Actually, this this is a really interesting thing, and this just interests me from a uh, gambling and game theory type of standpoint, <laughs> um, and not just because the NHL's expansion team is going to Vegas, but... You know, I love expansion teams because here's what just happened. The Vegas expansion team, the Golden Knights, by Wednesday has to submit a draft list for every other team. <laughs> so, they have to they have to take what? they have to take one player from every other team. But teams are and it has to be one from every team. They can't skip a team. And it has to but teams are allowed to put protect X number of players for instance. So, yeah, it's crazy. You should read about it. It's what? really funny. So, so they're going to they end have... up with 30 players? Yes. All from other teams? Yeah. And they're yeah. going to cut them? Uh, basically. And actually, the article that I was reading was talking about interesting strategies that they could go for. Like, they could just try and tank hard, <laughs> like, yeah. out of the gate. <laughs> just grab it. Just take everybody's worst player and just assemble, like, the anti-all-stars of yeah. the NHL. <laughs> because who cares? Who is going to even root for them next year uh a bunch of drunk business guys i don't know like they're, honestly, they're gonna root against them every single time oh my god oh, that's yeah. gonna be so good it's gonna be brutal to play there but i just i just found that really funny that you know an expansion team all right they're just gonna go in and pluck one guy from every team and uh see what happens <laughs> that is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> and i think that brings us to our review session <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you want to present this one? I do, actually. There have been just a multitude of pick-your-own strawberry signs popping up everywhere. We had a little bit of wet weather. Strawberries are just everywhere in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So the review is berry season and uh, just berry rankings. And I feel like you have an opinion here. I, I never have an opinion about <laughs> such, such things. I think you know my opinion on this. Number one, berry of them all. King of the berries, the current. <laughs> oh, this guy out the here current. riding hard for currants. Number one. Are you going to say lingonberries or something no, ridiculous no, no. like that? Oh, no. At least you know that those aren't good. <laughs> yeah, I do. There's a reason you only see them in jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the current. The currants are amazing. I, when you were in Germany, did you see like the 
just the amazingly gigantic finds of currants, black and red and white. I've never been to Germany, man. I haven't seen the currant vines. I got to do this. Apparently. Oh my gosh! Oh, so they're so tasty. They are tart as all get. Have you had fresh currants? Oh, I've had fresh currants. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, just tart as all get out. Make an amazing jam. <laughs> this this is not a review on sour again. <laughs> like, mm, don't take us yep. down that road. Bring it right back. Come on, come on. You're are you are you passing up? Pick your own strawberry stands. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Are you passing? Pick your own raspberries. I don't like the pick your own, but if I had to pick, a pick, I would pick raspberries. Okay, pick. So if you pick from the traditional, the traditional like most berries mm-hmm. raspberries blackberries strawberries blueberries rank those four. Oh man that is really hard Oof. i like all of them except for strawberries <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> this is a crazy one no man. i like i mean i like strawberries but not in the same realm blackberries i do enjoy i do not enjoy picking though because they no stain fun. your hands like all no get fun. out and the like the standard deviation of quality in a blackberry uh, is extremely high. I, I I would argue that strawberries are actually higher mm, in the standard deviation of quality. Really? Than blackberries? Yeah. But you know, when you pick that strawberry, you know that it's either going to be good or bad in the same way That's as right. that all the rest of them have been. A blackberry, <laughs> you grab it. And you like bring it to your mouth, and it just—you don't even taste it. You feel it, and you're like, "Ooh, this is a bad one." <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I all right, I'll I'll get behind that. For me, for me, it's raspberries. Raspberries number one on the on the traditional berry list. But uh, I love strawberries, man. I'm sorry, you're wrong on that front. <sighs> Raspberry, blueberry, blackberry, strawberry, and especially if I'm picking my own. Raspberry, strawberry, blackberry, blueberry. Man, you do not. Oh, the maniacs in our audience are going berserk <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll go a step further. Oh boy, wild main blueberries are overrated. All right, and and that is our final episode, folks. <laughs> that is it. Wow, what about? Do you like the? There were a lot of pick your own blueberries up in Duluth. Yeah, for sure. North Shore area. Are there any other berries that were missing? Elderberries? Oh, um, I mean, there's there's no there's no shortage of of what one might call heirloom berries out there. But uh, I think we're we're just going for the heavy hitters here, the things that you might see on a daily basis. Yeah, we're not going to talk about rose hips. You already anytime. got deep in the currents, which I appreciate. Either. But oh, currents number one. <laughs> All right, <laughs> All right. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!